2: Side sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, a bill ensuring your data privacy online is getting bipartisan support in Congress. And while this is something most people support, are the lawmakers getting the policy details right? Remember, it always comes down to the devil in the details of those bills. And so, to help us break all of that down, Brandon Pugh is the policy counsel for the Cybersecurity and Emerging Threats team at our friends over at the R Street Institute. And uh, Brandon, thanks for joining us today.
1: No, I'm glad to be here, Boyd. It's uh, a lot going on in data privacy and security, so uh, always happy to be here to talk about it.
2: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's dive in and uh, look at this uh, bipartisan draft bill. Uh, we, we, we always get a little concerned when things are done behind closed doors. We know, we know there has been uh, bill text uh, started to emerge, and so we start to see it in the light of day. Uh, but give us a, a quick assessment in terms of what is in this bill, what does it actually do, and then we can start breaking down where we uh, might have some concerns.
1: So you're right. It's been rumored probably for the past week. But just last Friday, we saw the discussion draft of the American Data Privacy and Protection Act. Um, And that's really the first time we've seen a bipartisan and bicameral attempt to pass data privacy and security legislation. To your point, we've seen a lot of proposals over the years. uh, But this is the first one, you know, in my opinion, to to make a real attempt at compromise. We've had several great proposals in the, the past. But there's been several sticking points. And, and this bill really tries to address those sticking points to try to find compromise between advocates uh, as well as industry.
2: And so as you you look at that, uh, what are some of the, the key points that have allowed this one to maybe get a little juice and a little momentum uh, where it could actually get on the floor and have some good debate and uh, maybe even get passed?
1: Yeah. So historically, there's been a few major sticking points. But just to flag two of them is preemption and how we address a private right of action or PRA. So to start with preemption, essentially, if we pass a federal law, how will that interact with existing state laws and future ones? Uh, And that's really important in Utah because Utah obviously has uh, passed the Utah Consumer Privacy Act. So the big question is how will that act interact with a new federal law? Uh, And there's been a big divide between Democrats and Republicans, how to address that. On one side, there's uh, something like our organization has called for is, we, we do believe there should be a national standard, but we do think there's room for states to continue to act. Uh, and that's kind of what this bill has done. It's broadly speaking calling for one federal law, but it has a series of carve-outs where states could continue to legislate. And that ranges from civil rights laws to consumer uh, you know, protection statutes. Um, so that's one side. And the other aspect is a private right of action, something you don't see in Utah, but essentially... If an individual's rights are violated, can they themselves directly sue the person or the covered entity that violates them? And Republicans in industry have historically been adamantly against that for the most part, with some exceptions. But in this bill, we do see that it's it's limited, but there is a private right of action included, which is not what we see. We saw in the last leading Republican bill um, last session as well as this session.
2: So let's talk about uh, some of those uh, components there. Uh, We know uh, one of the other components that is in the bill that it would require companies to minimize what data they collect. Uh, It seems that uh, between the algorithms and uh, who's got your name on what list, uh, and I happen to be one of those people who uh, I am on every Democratic mailing list and on every Republican mailing list, Uh, and so my email box is uh, over flooded by uh, I can see third, fourth, fifth generation sell-offs of my data uh, as someone uh, who's interested in politics. Uh, And so (laughs) how do we start to manage that? What's in the bill in terms of minimizing what data can be uh, collected and then how that can be shared?
1: First, you are spot on with that. That is a precise need for this legislation overall. It's just uh, you know, people's information is out there and every single day it's being correctly or in, miscorrectly used and then not properly safeguarded. Mm. So that is a major attempt of at this bill is kind of there's two sides of it. One, to empower individuals in terms of how their information is to be used and what rights they have, whether it's a right to access that or delete it. Another the other side of the bill is, is the security and protection aspect, placing a burden or I shouldn't say burden, but an obligation on companies to actually safeguard that. Because uh, there's, you know, our adversaries want this data. Uh, and then even not foreign adversaries, even at home, there's a there's a lot of misuse of this data. You know, data brokers are frequently in the news of of collecting mass amounts of data. And there's not a lot of laws surrounding that practice. Uh, several states, five to be exact, are proactive and have state legislation. But if you're not in one of those states, broadly speaking, you don't have protection. And that's something this bill uh, would seek to address.
2: All right. And what are some of the other things as you've had a chance to dive into that? What are some of the other things that we should be watching, things that might end up being debated or maybe even amended out or in? uh, What are some of the things that you're trying to track as this uh, gets a little more serious in terms of consideration? Yeah, so
1: this bill is unique because it does have the ranking member and the chair on the House side, as well as the ranking member on the Senate side from the Commerce Committee. Uh, Obviously, Senator uh, Cantwell is missing on the Senate side. And there's been several reasons why she's missing that that has been said publicly, as well as some you could just guess by reading you know, her current legislation. Um, so something that she's voiced concerned with, as well as advocates right now, the private right of action has a four year delay. So it's not something you could use immediately. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some movement on that or some change. Obviously, I'm not in, in, in Congress, but uh, I think that would be a natural area that there could be movement. And to the bill drafter's credit now, uh, the three members that are on the bill, in their press release, they've called for a dialogue and conversation with other members. Because for this to get over the finish line, there needs to be widespread support um, there need, on both sides of the aisle. So this can't be something that just stays at three members. Uh, and likely, like as you know, with all legislation, there, there probably will be changes. Uh, and I, I think that will be one of them. A second one is, um, is dealing with arbitration. Uh, a lot of times people are, are forced into arbitration agreements as part of an agreement they sign. So rather than going directly to a lawsuit. Um, so I know there's some concerns by Democrats and activists, whether that is a proper practice. But on the industry side, it's something that you know individuals are freely agreeing to and it's commonly done. So I think there will be some movement on that as well, because that is a difference between a Senator Cantwell approach, uh, as well as what we see in this new bill. Uh, just to flag two areas of disagreement.
2: Uh, Very important stuff there. Brandon Pugh is the Policy Counsel for the Cybersecurity and Emerging Threats Team at the R Street Institute. Uh, Brandon, appreciate your perspective on uh, one that everyone's got their eye on and uh, one that would be uh, really extraordinary if you could get a bipartisan bill across on cybersecurity. Really interesting stuff. Great perspective, as always. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. No, thank you, Boyd. Anytime. Uh, All right. Again, that's uh, our friends over at the R Street Institute, Brandon Pugh. Uh, who's the policy counsel there. And this is uh, one of those that we often talk about. Everybody says, oh, I'm worried about my data privacy, my data security. Uh, and yet nothing really seems to move there. I think there's some interesting debate in terms of what happens at the state level versus what happens at the federal level and how those uh, intersections will be navigated. That's that's going to be a tricky one for sure. Uh, but most important, I think it actually empowers consumers a little bit more uh, to be able to decide you know, how much of their data is shared, who it's shared with, uh, and then being able to take some action as a result of that, I think that's going to be a really interesting part of the conversation as we look at data and privacy security. And again, encouraging a bipartisan, bicameral uh, approach to this one, radical stuff. Uh, we like to see that in Congress and we'll continue to track that as well. All right. Coming up, how do we fix higher education? There's a question for you. We've had a lot of conversations about forgiving student debt. Senator Ben Sass from Nebraska who used to head a university, Midland College, did an amazing turnaround effort there. He's had some thoughts about what it's actually going to take to make it affordable, accessible, and powerful for the future of America. Stay with us. Coming up after top of the hour news.